He's attacking your joy. He's attacking your faith because he wants you to give up on God. He knows that if you are able to keep him in the realm of faith, you will destroy him. So he wants you separated from your faith. He wants each of us to get to that point in our lives when we say, look, this gospel is not working. Let me go and try something else. He will encourage you to stop serving God. But you have to stop him. Can I have an amen? I put up my status overnight. I said, you have to stop him. If you don't stop him, he will stop you. He has succeeded in stopping many people. But he has failed also in stopping many people. Let it be. May it be written in our lives that we are part of the group that did not turn back onto perdition, but part of the group that stopped Satan in his tracks and we completely annihilated all his works in our lives and in the lives of our loved ones in the name of Jesus. He can be stopped, so let us stop him. If you don't stop Satan, he will stop you from praying. If you don't stop him, he will stop you from making your confession. If you don't stop him, he will stop you from reading the word of God. If you don't stop him, he will stop you from making progress in life. The name Satan means the resistor. That's his job. Jesus said very plainly in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Will you allow him steal from you, answer me church? Will you allow him destroy you? Will you allow him kill you? That is his mission every day. And we must be on the mission to stop him. 1 John 3, 8 says, For this cause was the Son of God made manifest, even to destroy the works of the devil. The Son of God is our captain, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if he has come to destroy the works of the devil, we have also come to destroy the works of the devil. Can I have an amen? We will show him Pepe in this generation. Our children will show him greater Pepe in their generation. Can I have an amen? Because the seed of the upright, the Bible says, shall be mighty upon the earth. I pray for you, expression house. I know many of you don't have children yet. Some of you are expecting children. And some of you, in, in, uh, when you get to that point in your life, yeah, the children will come. There shall be no delay. Listen, whether you are expecting one now, or it is coming in five years or ten years, or seven years, or three years, or two years, or next year, listen, your children shall be mighty upon the earth. No matter when they come, they shall be mighty upon the earth. The Bible gives us a promise in Isaiah 54, and I think verse 13 now. It says, your children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace, the shalom of your children. Peace is very important. Your children, I pray for you, will be taught of the Lord. And great will be their shalom in the name of Jesus. Let me turn to your neighbor this morning and bless them in the Hebrew tongue. Say, Hasid, Shalom, Lachem. Say to them again, Hasid, Shalom, Lachem. You know what we are saying? Let's say it one more time. Hasid, Shalom, Lachem. We are saying to them, grace and peace to you. So say to them in English, grace and peace to you. In the name of Jesus. Woo! Do you feel better this morning? Glory be to God. I said to us two weeks ago, I gave us two points to ponder. Number one, I said you need to have an experiential knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just what you are told in church. You need to experience God yourself. You need to know God yourself. Not just what your parents have told you. You need to know God. Your dad might be a pastor. Your mom might be a lady evangelist. Thank God for their lives. But you need to know God. 
yourself. I'm a pastor today, but my children need to come to that point in their lives when they need to experience God for themselves. There's a time that the grace that I carry covers them, takes care of them, but there has to come a time when they will need to use their own faith, when they need to stir up the gift of God that is in them, given to them by the Holy Ghost. Because according to Habakkuk 2.4, the just shall live by his own faith. His own faith. His own faith that must come that time in our lives. Number two, I said to us, it is this knowledge of God that will make you strong and deliver you when trouble comes. This knowledge of God that you have is what will strengthen you. See, what you know matters in the affairs of life. What you know matters. It is not only who you know, but what you know. What you don't know, you don't know. And what you don't know may be killing you. Some people say, well, what you don't know cannot kill you. <laughs> okay, so you don't know that a bottle is full of gamalin 20. You thought it was water, and you grabbed it and you drank it. Now, because you didn't know, it will not kill you. Is that right? Ignorance kills people faster than the devil. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. My people are destroyed because of the power of the devil. Because the devil is so strong. What does he say? For lack of knowledge, ignorance kills people faster than the devil. Ignorance. What you don't know. That's why we cannot afford to be ignorant. In Proverbs 19 verse 2, the Bible says, For the soul to be without knowledge, it is not good. If the Bible says something is not good, it is not good. Let me tell you why I got married. I got married because I read in the Bible that God said concerning Adam, it is not good for the man to be alone. I said, wow, it is not good for the man to be alone. I said, therefore, I will not do that which is not good. So I decided to get married. I found in my Bible also, Proverbs 19, verse 2, it is not good for the soul to be without knowledge. He said, it is not good. Therefore, I became a voracious reader, an ardent student of the word of God. I'm a student of God's word for life. I'm still learning. I have read portions of the, my Bible and I have different Bibles. Some of them have really suffered. Yet, I keep reading them and I'm getting new insights from what I've read before. I'm committed for life. What do I know? Some have computer brain. They don't need to write anything down in church. They don't need to write anything down. But I am not like that. I'm a student. I have parchments. I have several parchments. And I'm teaching my children, so, so I'm giving them books, what they call exercise books, where you can write things. The Holy Ghost can talk to you anytime. He can give you an inspiration. He can drop an idea anytime. You need to write it down. A short pencil is better than a long memory. Oh, no, Pastor, this is the high-tech generation. We have iPads. And thank God for your gadgets. But those gadgets won't last forever. In 10 years' time, you might not know where your iPads are. In 10 years' time, if you write in your exercise books and you keep them, you can bring them out. You can always go back to your archive. Let us learn how to journal. God speaks to us every day, but we are not hearing every day. Psalm 19 verse 2. There is no speech, no language where their voice is not heard. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. God speaks day unto day. God shows knowledge every night. And God, whatever God says to you must be precious. Treat it as precious. 
Because that is what will bring you out of trouble. Some of you are not in trouble right now, so you don't know what is pastor talking about trouble, trouble. I beg you. Let me tell you, there are three categories of people in life. One, there are people currently listening to me now who are in trouble, in the middle of trouble. Whatever kind of trouble, marital trouble, financial trouble, uh, uh, material trouble, business trouble, whatever kind of academic trouble, all kinds of trouble. Some of those troubles are physical, some are spiritual. <laughs> in the unseen realm, category number one. Category number two, there are people who are just coming out of one. They have been in it for some time, but God has rescued them, and now they are just coming out of trouble. Category number three, there are people who are getting ready Nobody likes that. Oh, no, pastor, don't say that. Don't, come on, in the name of Jesus, I'm not going into trouble. No, 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 no. The path of the just is as a shining light. It's shining more and more to the perfect day. Amen. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Thank God for your confession. But your confession doesn't keep trouble away. The same word of God tells us in Psalm 91 verse 15, I will be with him in trouble. What is God saying? God said that. God says he will get into trouble. Though. But guess what? I will be with him in that, in that trouble. And I will deliver him, and I will honor him. Look, who is with you matters in your trouble. When you're in trouble and there's a very powerful man, like maybe the governor of the state, and the governor is against you, that's real trouble, you know. That's real trouble. But imagine in your trouble, somehow somebody tells the governor, and the governor sends for you and says, what is the problem? He says, 250 million, 250, no, 500 million naira. I say, come on. Uh, look, I, I've, I've been told about you. I know you have integrity. Don't worry about that. I'm, I'm on your side. No matter what comes, don't worry. Just this is my direct line. And then I will ensure that that is taken care of. Oh, oh my God. When you step out of that office, you are looking for your enemies. Where are you? All my troublers, where? You know why? Because a powerful man is with you. That's a governor that will not be a governor forever. But do you know who is with you right now? The governor among the nations. The one to whom all kings must prostrate and call him Kabiesi. The God of the whole universe. The monarch of the universe. My God, that's the one with you. And that's the one that promised I will be with him in trouble. My God. And I will deliver him. I will not leave you in that trouble and I will honor you. So if you're in trouble right now, honor is coming. Amen. Two things are coming. One, deliverance. Two, honor. One, deliverance. Two, honor. Why honor? Because when you're in trouble, some people mock you. And they don't know that while they're mocking you, God is making you. They don't know that while they're mocking you behind you, God is there. God is hearing everything they are saying about you. Even though you cannot hear, God says, don't worry. I will deliver you, then I will honor you in their presence. My goodness. Somebody getting blessed this morning. It is important, therefore, what you know. Damage your ignorance. Please. Go after the word of God and know God. Know God. Daniel 11, 32. But the people that do know their God, they shall be strong and do exploits. Why is that important? Because trouble comes. All the patriarchs of old, ask them, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, to Joseph, to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, David the king, Paul the apostle, that wrote quite a number of the epistles, blessing the church today, 
there was not one of them that didn't experience trouble. What is this thing we call trouble? Pressure. Pressure. When the enemy just puts mouth pressure on you. And you know he does that because you are significant. He does that because you carry a precious seed. He does that so that you can give up and follow him and be destroyed. But I promise you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, nobody will be destroyed in this church. Trouble came to David one time. First Samuel 30. We are not reading it. When you get to me, you can read. It's a very interesting story. From verse 1 to 19. David had gone out with his men to fight. They came back by the third day. And they came back to an empty house. In fact, the enemy came and burnt down the city of Ziklag. They took all their wives. They took all their children. Now, this is not you going to work and then coming back and meeting an empty house. All your pieces of furniture are gone. Your electronics are gone. Now, that in, that in itself is devastating, isn't it? That wasn't the story of David. They came back and the city had been burnt. They came back to ashes. The men that went out with him were so distressed. The Bible says they were all distressed. David was distressed. They wept. They opened their mouth and wept like babies. Men were weeping like children because of the souls of their wives and their children who had been taken away by terrorists. The Bible said they wept until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever wept like that? Something happened and you cried, 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 cried until you began to sob like a baby. No more power to weep. David, mighty man of God, the same man that said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. What's happening now? Hey, listen to me. Strong men sometimes cry. It is not a sign of weakness. Are you with me? <laughs> the Bible says the righteous cry and the Lord heareth them. So we cry. You don't want to make it public. But there are times that you alone with God. And you're asking, Lord, how did I get here? David and his men opened their mouth. Ah, what a disgrace has come to us. What a disgrace. We went to fight. We came back to meet nothing but ashes. They wept until there was no more strength. And the men began to reason among themselves. Is this idiot called our leader, David? He was the one that led us out. If he had not led us out, Shebi would have gathered our wives and children. No enemy would have taken them. would have killed them. So they thought among themselves, let's stone this David. Let's kill him. In verse 6, the Bible says David was greatly distressed. Oh, the distress was so much. It was so much because, now look at it. And David was greatly distressed. That's pressure. Somebody say pressure. That is trouble. Somebody say trouble. He was greatly distressed. When you are distressed, you lose taste for everything. He was not just distressed. He was greatly distressed. A powerful man like that. For the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David, how did he get out of it? Somebody say, but, but is a conjunction that introduces a change of direction. Everybody was thinking this way, but, David, after crying and crying and crying, and saw that crying would not help him. After worrying and worrying and worrying, let's come to a point where we know that worrying will never help us. It doesn't change your situation. Worrying does not take away the situation. It aggravates it. It makes it worse. It makes it look larger than life. 
Listen to me, church. There is nothing anyone of us is going through that nobody has ever gone through before. It's not new. Tell your neighbor it's not new. First Corinthians 10, 13 tells us, don't go there. For there are no temptations taking you, which is not such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able to bear. But will with the temptation make a way of escape, that you might be able to bear it. Look at what David did. David bought David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. Because he knew the Lord is God. That was why he was able to encourage himself in the Lord, his God. Those men didn't know God like David knew God. Those men thought it was over. They've taken our wives, they've taken our daughters. Who knows, maybe they're sleeping with them right now. Maybe they're violating them right now. Maybe they're even slaughtering our sons right now. We don't know. They took David's wives too. But nobody to encourage David. I mean, if you have a wife and there is trouble at work, when you go home, your wife can pat your back and, and rub your bald head a little bit and say, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, honey. Don't worry, son. Don't worry, baby. Don't worry, my teddy bear. You're going to be fine. Don't worry about your boss. You're going to fire your boss soon. You're going to be your own boss. I can't wait to be your first lady. Da, 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 da. Because you have a wife. I mean, your kids can come around and hug you and say, Daddy, don't worry, everything's going to be fine. And children have a way of encouraging their parents. They give you a warm hug and you feel, oh, for David. David entered this room, there was no room. It was all ashes. Oh, where are my wives? You know, sometimes you want to cry. You just lie down on, on the laps of your wife and cry there. And she's rubbing your head. Say, don't worry, don't worry. You'll be fine. You're going to be all right. But hey, David was going to lie down on the ashes. Nobody was going to pat him or rub him on, on the back. Nobody. Hey, listen, God's people. There are times in our lives when you, you, there might not be anybody around to encourage you. That's why some people leave the church. They say, I wasn't in church for three weeks. I was going through stuff and nobody called me. It's not good enough reason. Yeah, I know church should do better, but it's not good enough reason for you to leave the church. You need to grow up. Because if you leave that church and go to another church, the same thing will still happen. If you live long enough and you don't die, you will still experience the same thing in different places, different continents across the world. Every Christian must come to a point where we know how to encourage ourselves in the Lord our God. You might cry, baby, yeah, cry, do all the crying, do whatever you want to do, but come to a point where you encourage yourself in the Lord. When you need to wipe your tears. Revelation 5.5, 5, it says, one of, the one of the elders said unto me, weep not, for the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. There's a time to stop weeping. Remind yourself of Psalm 30 and verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. David had to come to a point. He had to remind himself of Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. He will not suffer my foot to be moved. I pray for you, Expression House. I pray for everyone watching online. I pray for everyone listening online. The Lord will not suffer your foot to be moved. I said the Lord will not suffer your foot to be moved. David encouraged himself in the Lord. You know why? Because he had been fellowshipping with the Lord. In Psalm 42, he said, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, 
so pants my soul after you, O God. That heart, H-A-R-T, is an animal that's always looking for water. When it has gone to do whatever it is doing, doing its activities in the, in the bush, in the forest, it runs towards the water brooks. It, it gallops towards it to drink water, get water for sustenance. David said as the heart pants after the water brooks, it, it looked for, for something to do comparison. Like a, a, a hungry dog pants for fat bones. I don't know if, if dogs still eat bones in this generation because the kind of dogs we have now are kind of posh dogs. <laughs> you know, they're not like the dogs in my hometown. In my hometown, if I tell you what the dogs eat, no, you don't want to go there. Praise God, amen. He said, so panted my soul after thee, O God. David was someone that really loved the Lord. David was someone that would get up early to fellowship with God. How did I know that? In Psalm 63 and verses 1 and 2, David said, O Lord, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. Early. Somebody say early. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsted for thee. My flesh longs for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Why? What for? To see your power and your glory, even as I've seen you in the sanctuary. I'm in the desert and I'm looking for you. Like I used to look for you inside the church. It's a lot easier to worship God under a corporate anointing like this. That's why when you don't come to church, you are doing yourself a disservice. Because it's a lot more difficult to do it alone. When you're on your own, there are too many distractions. Google is distracting you. WhatsApp is distracting you. Friends are distracting you. Satan is discouraging you. David said, I'm in the desert and I'm looking for you, O God, like I look for you in the sanctuary. No wonder he was able to encourage himself in the Lord. Trouble didn't just come to David. God rescued him from the trouble. Can I have an amen to that? He asked God, should I pursue? Will I overtake? Will I recover all? God said to him, pursue. You will surely recover all. You will overtake and you recover all. And it came to pass according to what God told him. I pray for someone today. I don't know what you have lost. You will, as you pursue, you will overtake and you will recover all. God will enable you to recover all. In Psalm 34, 19, the Bible says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. We, the righteous, come under affliction. So it is not strange when we are afflicted. He said, but God is faithful. Listen to me. God delivers him out of them all. I don't know how many things you have faced with this week, but God will deliver you out of them all. Can you say better amen? The man, Paul, that God used to teach us grace and peace, trouble came to him. Oh! Paul the Apostle, a lot of the epistles that he wrote, which are blessing us today, were not written in some air-conditioned rooms of some luxury apartments in America. No, baby. A lot of these epistles encouraging the church, shouting grace and peace over us, were written in prison rooms. They were written in dungeons where there was no light. They were written while Paul was in chains and fetters. They were written when Paul was bleeding. His back was bleeding. He was in pain. And yet he was writing grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he obtained mercy and obtained grace. Did Paul see trouble? 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses 8 to 10. I've read it before. I read it again. He said, For we will not have you ignorant, brethren, of our breakthrough that came to us in Asia. 
Are you reading a different Bible than I'm reading? What, what, what came to them in Asia? Come on, shout it. Let me hear you. Our trouble that came to us in Asia. Now, somebody will say, no, Paul. Don't talk like that, Paul. Come on, you're a man of faith. That's not a good confession to say trouble came. No, no, no. Trouble didn't come. Listen, denying trouble does not take away trouble. When people have pain, they say, no, I don't have pain. No, no, no pain. I don't have pain. Oh, thank you, Lord. I don't have pain. No pain. Mm, I don't have I don't have no pain, no pain, pain. Guess what? You have that pain even in your brain. Because all we can hear you shout is pain, pain, pain. Denying that you have pain does not take away pain. Christianity is not about denial. We acknowledge that pain is there, but we also acknowledge what Jesus has done. So even though I have pain in my body, I said to you, pain, by his stripe, I am healed. Can I have an amen to that? Faith, living by faith or living in faith is no denier. Don't deny that you are in trouble or you are going through trouble. It's a faith and it will pass. It's a bend. It's not the end. Can I have an amen to that? God assures us that he's going to rescue us out of trouble. He didn't say we'll never get into trouble. There are times he prevents us from getting into trouble. There are times he allows you we get into trouble. Then he comes and gets us out. Because when you're in trouble, he said, I will be with him in trouble. You are in trouble, God also gets into trouble. And when God is in trouble, trouble itself is in trouble. Amen? <laughs> Can any trouble swallow God? Oh, oh, Lord, have mercy. Satan is father. Couldn't try it. Paul said, I would not have you ignorant. I want you to know. Listen to me, church. Paul said, I want the expression house to know. This was written several years ago. Written for us and to us. I want the expression house to know. I want you brethren all over the world, those watching from America, from the UK, from everywhere right now, I want you to know. Paul said, I will not keep you ignorant. Oh, that's not a good thing to know. Everybody wants praise report. We want your testimonies. But many have forgotten that testimony means testimony. It was because you went through the test and the trial and the temptation and God brought you out. Then you grabbed the mic and said, praise the Lord. Oh, no. I don't want no test. I don't want no trial. Then go to heaven. One man went to a man of God. He said, pray for me. What was the prayer? This was in Oral Roberts University in America. He said, pray for me. The man said, what's your prayer point? He said, I don't want any more troubles in my life. I've got enough from the devil. He just keeps attacking me, attacking my mind, attacking my finances, attacking my marriage, attacking my ministry. He was a minister. The man laid hands on him and said, Father, let him die. He said, no, I don't want to die. He said, what's your prayer topic again? He said, I don't want trouble anymore in my life. I don't want one more trouble. I've had enough. He laid hands on him again. He said, Father, in the name of Jesus, let him die. Because the only way to not have trouble anymore is to die and go to heaven. Listen to me, young people. This message is preparing you for life. So if you're going through trouble right now, it has an expiry date. Amen? You're coming out of it. That's what makes you strong. That's what makes you have a testimony. That's what makes you someone that is experienced. Look, forget about theoretical Christianity. These are the days of practical Christianity. 
Somebody telling you stories, you know, theory. Somebody was telling, teaching people some time ago how to, how to run their marriages. And we found out that I wasn't, wasn't married. My friend, no matter what you see as a single person, about, just don't go to that area of marriage. Just face your other areas of ministry. Don't talk about marriage. Because you don't know marriage. I, I've read at least 5,000 books on marriage. Live in marriage one day. Live inside it one day. That one day experience cannot be compared to 5 million books that you have read. Let's talk about us experiencing God. When you have been through certain things, it puts you in a pedestal to admonish and to encourage others. Because some people will go through stuff, they want to commit suicide. And when the Lord leads them to you, and you counsel them and talk to them, they'll say, ah, I thought man was the worst. So sad, you've even been through this. Man, you've been through that before. Ah, I have hope. Are you getting what I'm saying? So God deliberately allows certain things to happen so that we get the glory out of our lives. Can I have an amen to that? Paul says, we will not have you ignorant of our trouble that came to us in Asia. How big, how humongous, how enormous was this trouble that came to them in Asia? Paul said that we were pressed out of measure. We were pressed out of measure. You know what it means to be pressed? Pressure. The pressure was beyond measure. If you put it on a scale, it will destroy the scale. In Yoruba language, from a just scale. The pressure that came on us was out of measure, above strength. We thought we were strong. You know, sometimes you think you're strong. Ah, I can't handle anything. Yeah. If you know what I've handled before, don't worry. <laughs> All right? Don't worry. He said, look, above strength, in so much that we despaired even of life. Let me tell you what that means. He said, it got so bad, we didn't know if we were going to make it out alive or not. You know when you're going through a situation and you are not sure you wake up tomorrow. You're not sure. Oh, Pastor Fred, we have confessed 120. We have confessed Genesis 6-3. That the number of our days will be 120 years. But with what I'm going through right now, are you sure I'm going to be 40? Paul got there. But did God get him out? Hello? Did God get him out? That same God is going to get you out. Go to the next verse. We despair even of life. We ensure we're going to make it out alive. That's the meaning. But we have the sentence of death in ourselves. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God that raises the dead. What does that mean? They had the sentence of death in themselves. They came to a point where they stopped to trust in themselves. The sentence of death in themselves. They, they died to self. They knew that if they ever made it out alive, it was God that rescued them. You know that situation in your life. Maybe what you're going through right now. Like a giant staring you in the face. And you know if you ever get out of this, not God. It can only be God. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Anybody going through a situation? Anybody going through a situation? Can I hear? Yes, yes, yes. God is getting you out. Can I have an amen? He said, look, we thought we were going to die. But we trusted in God who raises the dead. That even though we die, he will raise us. But guess what? God didn't allow them to die. The next verse. Paul wrote the next verse. 
Because he didn't die. He wrote the next verse. Now, because you are not going to die, you will write a book about your story. Can I have an amen? And your story will bless other people. Can I have an amen? Some of you, there are books in you. The things you are going through now, is, is, they are chapters of your book. Oh my God. And God will raise people in this house that will write books that will be bestsellers. I mean, one million copies sold across the world. Amazon, Okada Books, Kindle, whatever platform. You're going to sell. Can I have an amen? A million dollars is just like chicken change. <laughs> is somebody in this house this morning? Don't waste your affliction. Journal. Write something down. Write whatever God is telling you down. Write your experiences. Don't waste it. Because it will pass. Paul said, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver? In whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. God did deliver us from so great a death. He said, that God still delivers. And we trust him tomorrow that he will yet deliver us. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, you will face tomorrow. You will face it triumphantly. You will face it victoriously. You will face it in such a way that God will get the glory out of your life. Can I have a good amen? Let me give you a couple of points this morning. What to do? Oh, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. I mean, if you, look, if you read through the Bible, you will see a lot of people who have been through stuff. But God went through it with them. Job, before we go to the points I'm going to give you. Job 19. Can I have Job 19.25 on the screen, please? Job 19.25. Quickly. Quickly so I can drive my point home. Job in his affliction made this statement. And I want us to read it out loud. One, two, go. For I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. I know Go to the next verse. Go to the next verse. And though after my skin worms destroyed this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. You will see God in your flesh. You will see the deliverance of God. You will see the victory of God. That song says, I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. Now, for the battle belongs to you, Lord. You're going to see a victory. I say, you're going to see a victory in the name of Jesus. Job said, I shall see God. You will see God. Oh, no, that amen is too weak. Verse 27, verse 27, verse 27. Don't waste the prayers this morning. They are anointed. Whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. They would help me to see God. I will see him myself. Though my reigns be consumed within me, I will see God. You will see God. Did he see God or not? He did. In Job 42, 1 verse 2, the Bible says, Job said, I know that you can do all things. What do you know? What do you know? What do you know? John the Baptist said in Matthew chapter, chapter 3 verse 9, he said, God, you hypocrite, he was talking to the Israelites, he said, don't you think that God can raise up stones, raise up children from these stones? God has the ability to do that. So you have Abraham to your father. Uh, Abraham is our father. Say, don't be proud though. God can raise children from stones. That's one of the abilities of God. A stone is a lifeless thing. Yet God can, God can create a living being 
out of a non-living baby. What is it that you need? Your visa? Your health? Your finances? Your academics? A wife? A husband? A child? Think about it. The abilities of God. God can say stone, become a child. God can look at the stone and say child, and the stone will say, sir, yes, sir. The moment, when did he become a child? The moment God said child, God saw darkness, he didn't repeat darkness, he said light be, and light was. That's the God you serve. Job said, I know you can do all things. I'd like you to put that on the screen for me. Job 42 and verse 2. <laughs> it's one of my favorite scriptures. When I'm, I'm in situations and I'm facing God and I'm talking to him. Lord, look at this. I know that thou can do everything. You can do everything. You can do everything. How many things can he do? Does that include your academics? Does that include your relationship? Does that include your career? Your profession? Your scholarship? Your business? I can do. He said, God, I know you can do everything. And in verse 10, the Bible says God began to restore Job. He restored him twice as much as he had before. The Lord turned the captivity of Job. Talk about God the turner. Talk about God the turner. God and the Lord turned the captivity of Job. You might be in trouble, but God can turn the trouble. Flip it over. And it will be as though you never went through trouble. How did Paul come out? Paul said, I know him whom I believe. Second Timothy 1.12. He said, I know, for I know him whom I believe. Now, let me give you three points. What to do? Very quickly. Number one, get into the word daily and meditate. In your situation. Get into the word of God daily. Get into the word. How often? Oh, come on. Only three people came to church this morning. Get into the word. How often? Stop getting on social media, Instagram, watching those nasty videos that are not helping your life. Wasting precious time away. Lock yourself up in your room. Put your phone on flight mode. Open your Bible. Get a journal. Get into the Word daily, every day, and meditate in the Word. Meditation is where the Holy Spirit speaks to you. It is where the Word speaks back to you. Meditate. Give your soul something to feed on. The enemy defeats us many times in the realm of reasoning, in the mental realm. You need to cast down those imaginations and pull down strongholds. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. I will explain this very quickly and then I move on. Second Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. God will bless you media this morning in the name of Jesus. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Yeah? Casting down imaginations. Casting down what? Casting down what? Imaginations is one of the areas the enemy defeats us. It will give you negative imaginations. Imagine they come to arrest you now. Imagine as you are traveling now, you die. Imagine your plane crashes. Imagine your Okada goes under the trailer. It, it gives us, it loads us daily with negative imaginations. Imagine you fail your exam. Imagine you have extra year. Imagine, God forbid though, but imagine that you are now right to your parents and says that you have an extra year. Imagine, 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 imagine. And those imaginations don't stop. Imaginations haunt people. Imaginations are pictures that are seen through the mind, through the eyes of the mind. You can go to bed with imaginations. 
imagine you fail now. Imagine God doesn't show up for you. Now, where are you going to get the money from? Are you going to pay the bills? What are you going to do about this now? What are you going to do about this now? What are you going to do about this? How are you going to get out? 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 <laughs> and then, in the natural. Now, listen. Don't allow Satan hold you. Please, everybody needs to get this now. This is not the time to leave. This is time to listen. Don't ever allow the devil hold you in the realm of reasoning. The realm of reasoning is when you get perplexed and you're wondering, how did I get here? Boss, what am I going to do? Hmm? We all get there. I confess, I've been there. In fact, in a particular situation, God just got me out. Hi. If he holds you in that frame, he will destroy you. I don't have a nicer word to describe what the devil can do. You allow your blood pressure to go up to the point that you lose control, damages your kidneys, your, your eyes, or your heart, or something. Some stroke happens. No, no. It will get you to imagine it before it even happens. The Bible says you have a job. Your job is to cast down imaginations. When it brings up those imaginations, you slap them down. Look at them. That's what you do. You open your mouth and say, in the name of Jesus, I cast down that imagination. Amen? And then come up with your own imagination. Imagine yourself out of the situation. Imagine yourself successful. Imagine yourself happy again. Imagine yourself smiling again. Imagine yourself helping people that are less privileged. Can I have an amen? The devil can give you an imagination of you living under the bridge. No roof over your head. Poor and broke on the street. Cast it down. What did I say? That's what the Bible says. Slap it now. Church, go with me. One, two, go. What about... If God does not provide and you don't have money to pay that bill, huh? <laughs> you need to ask, where, where, where did that come from? Where, where did that come from? Come and go. You slap it down. Amen. How about, how about that diagnosis they just gave you because it might be a terminal disease? You say, what? <laughs> Amen. That's how to stop him. You stop him right there. Don't allow him fester. Don't allow him occupy space in your mind. Don't allow the devil rent the room in your mind. No vacancy. Amen. Wear it on your chest. No vacancy. No room to let. Amen. I said no room to let. Amen. What if you go on that journey and you do not return? You say, what? Slap it down. Slap it down. That pain in your chest. It just might be a growth and it might be malignant and it might be, what? Slap it down. Now, don't slap people down. Slap my imagination. The Bible says, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. God said, I'm getting out. The devil said, no, you are not getting out. You are going to be put to shame. You are going to sink. Now, who should I believe? Whose report should I believe? 
Because that thing has exalted itself against the knowledge of God, I have the right to slap it down. Amen? Your tomorrow will be better than today. Casting down imaginations. Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, I'm bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Christ is for me, not against me. Christ in me is the hope of glory. It's not the hope of shame. I don't care how dark it looks today. Tomorrow will be brighter than today. Can I have an amen? Somebody shout with me, Christ in me is the hope of glory. So I'm not hoping for shame, amen. I'm not hoping for depression, amen. I'm not hoping to be in a mental hospital, except I'm a doctor, amen. I'm not going to be a patient there. Can I have an amen? You're not going to be behind bars. They won't put you in jail. Can I have an amen? What if the money doesn't come? That's a thought. That's a thought the enemy fires at you. Okay, Pastor Fred has spoken now. Now, it's after service. You are going home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pastor Fred, well, thank God for what you said. But, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. The moment you hear, you hear that, yeah, but slap it out. Don't allow him to say the next statement. You know you were healed of cancer two years ago. Yeah, but. The devil will give you, if you allow him, he will give you examples of people that were healed, but they had a relapse and they died. So what do you do? Amen. Praise God. Somebody getting something out of this message today? Meditate on the abilities and the possibilities of God in Christ Jesus. Read and meditate on the stories of the saints of old, whom God had delivered from their troubles. Meditate also on the promises of God to get you out and turn your mess into a message. God told me in Isaiah 54 verse 4, as I traveled to Ondo last week, that's one of my scriptures I'm meditating on now, but I'm giving you free of charge. He said, fear not. Somebody said, fear not. For thou shalt not be ashamed. Does that speak to somebody this morning? Neither be thou confounded. For thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth. I'm still a youth. So the way I read it is, I will forget the shame of my past. And I will not remember the reproach of my widowhood anymore. I don't have widowhood. So I say, I will not remember the reproach of any negative experience I've been through anymore. That's how my wife and I read that scripture. And the Lord ministered it again to me last week. Meditate on these things. Give your soul something to chew on. Give your soul something to suck on. You can have peace in church like this. Two hours after service, the enemy will come again. To attack your peace. Why does he do that? He's a stubborn goat. He's like the goat of the beans market. You chase him away, he will go, but he will soon come back. So when it comes back, give your soul something to suck on. Slap him down. Slap his thoughts down. Slap the imaginations down. Then give your own soul something to something to suck on. What is that thing? The word of God. Put it there. Isaiah 54 verse 4. That's a good one. Isaiah 26 verse 3 is another very good one. It says that we keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. That we keep him in shalom, shalom. You will keep me in shalom, shalom.
because my mind is stayed on you, not on the problem. I look to Jesus. My mind is on Jesus, not on the problem. And it will keep me in peace because I trust him. In. Can I have an amen to that? Give your soul something to chew on. Don't be empty. If we check you out now, what do you have there? Some of you have secular songs. That's what you have in your soul. Nothing, nothing, nothing but secular songs. I don't know those songs. But it won't help you much. I promise you, in the day of trouble, you will not be able to even open your mouth to sing. When trouble really hits. But when the word of God is dwelling in you richly, you can give your soul something to suck on. Isaiah, Psalm 91, verse 15, God said, I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. So when you're in trouble, remind yourself, God said he will be with me in trouble. So God is with me right now. Somebody say, God is with me right now. I am not alone. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Write it down. I'm giving you these scriptures because I want you to go home and meditate on them. God used that scripture to deliver me from financial anxiety. I used to worry a lot. A whole lot. God delivered me from it. But you know, when God delivers you from something, Satan will try and bring that thing back into your life. So I went through some stuff recently. And he actually want, the, the devil actually wanted worry to tabernacle in my head. But I could go back to the word of God because I knew he delivered me before. And if he did before, he would do it again. He said, beyond the fowls of the air. That scripture says, they don't sow. They don't reap. They don't store in barns. They don't have bank accounts. Yet they have no worries. Why? Because your heavenly father feeds them. They don't have high blood pressure because of what to eat. The animals in the jungle, they don't go on rampage. They don't go on riot. They don't protest because there's no dinner or breakfast or lunch. How come we, made in the image and likeness of God, I was on that scripture for about six months, every day, every day, including Sundays, for about six months, Matthew 6, 25 to 34, every day for about six months. I beg you, church, you won't be a strong Christian if you joke with your prayer life and joke with the word of God. Some of you, many of you don't come to Bible study, and that is not good enough, because I doubt it if you have time for your own personal Bible study at home. So when trouble comes, you now open your Bible and be looking for one scripture. Where will you find it? It is what the bird eats that the bird will use to fly. A petrol tanker that has loaded 33,000 liters from NMPC, going to deliver from depot to depot, from station to station, had better have fuel in its own personal tank. Otherwise, you can carry so much, but you, you are immobile because you don't have what to move you. It is what you eat that will move you. Rise up. Eat. Because the journey is still far. There are times you might have pastor around you to pray for you. There are times that they have no pastor to pray for you. The just shall live by his own faith. I was on that for six months. God broke that yoke, destroyed that yoke of anxiety, financial anxiety over my life. Because I could see the provision of God. He said, look at the lilies of the, of the valley. 
how they are well clothed. Solomon in all his glory was not as arrayed as one of them. And this grass, they spring up in the morning, in the evening, they are thrown in the oven. If God so clothed them, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? You are worried about clothes. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things that the Gentiles seek after shall be added unto you. Houses will be given you, cars will be given you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Does it mean we shouldn't walk? We should walk, oh. Does it mean we shouldn't do business? We should do business, but put God first. Some people don't even have a Bible at all. You don't even have a copy of the Bible. <laughs> it's a dangerous way to live, sir. It is what you eat that strengthens you and carries you, sustains you on your journey. Of tests and trials. Philippians 4 19. Paul the Apostle said, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. This scripture will work for you if you meditate on it. If you don't meditate, you can quote it, quote it, quote it. Nothing happens. It is in the place of meditation that you have revelation. Revelation is in the womb of meditation. Philippians 4 6. It says, Be careful for nothing. Can I have that on the screen, please? Let's read it, everybody. Be careful for how many things? But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Be careful for nothing. They are coming for you tomorrow. Be careful for nothing. They will publish your name in the papers. Be careful for nothing. Ah, Pastor, they said they will publish my name. You want to kill yourself? What if that was a mistake? Like they say, Somebody, they made a mistake in the, in the laboratory. They went for a test, a blood test. And by the time they announced the result to them, they said they, had, they were HIV positive. Meanwhile, it was the result of someone else. The person went home and took poison and died. By the time they found out about a week later, oh, we made a mistake. Let's reach the person and tell them. They were gone. Do you know, Satan will never encourage you to be in the faith. It will always discourage you. It will encourage you to live in fear and doubt. It will paint the picture of what you are going through now larger than life. When we read stories of men like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it is very romantic as we are reading it. But the people that went through it, it wasn't romantic. Ma, it was real trouble. That's where I'm going to stop this morning. Let's look at Daniel 3. When you get home, please read from verse 1 to 30. But I don't have the luxury of time to read 1 to 30. I just want to pick out a few points. I want to damage somebody's ignorance this morning because there's a way that scripture is usually interpreted which is not in the spirit of the Bible, really. And the fact that it's been interpreted like that many, many years does not make it right. In Daniel chapter 3, I'll summarize then I'll read a few verses. The king Nebuchadnezzar woke up one day and made a statue, a statue, an image of gold, very tall and very big. And he commanded everybody everywhere, because it was world power at the time, that at the sound of music, some flute, dosima, harp, once those things were blown, everybody should bow and worship that image. But these three guys, 
whose original names were not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was the one that gave them those names. They had their names, Mishael and Belshazzar. No, I think Daniel was Belshazzar. No. They had their names. You have them in the previous uh, chapter. He gave them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But those guys were Hebrew guys. They had a covenant with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And part of their upbringing was that you do not bow before any other God but Yahweh. Jad He Vav He. The Lord God Almighty. Him alone you worship. So when Nebuchadnezzar came and said, The moment music is played, you bow. These guys didn't bow. Then there were people that envied them, that didn't like them. You know, when you are made leaders in a foreign country, in this house, there are many, many people, I've always prophesied it, who will go abroad. Whether by virtue of going to work or going to do masters or going to do first degree or PhD, God will shoot you to the nations. When you get there, you'll be the head and not the tail. That was the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel. They were not citizens of that country. But the king preferred them. They were smart, ten times smarter than all the magicians and astrologers in town. And the king promoted them. And you know, when the king promotes you, there are people that will envy you. When you are enjoying the favor of God, the expression of, we are blessed and highly favored. That's why some brethren will hate you. You know those who hate me, you'll be shocked. Those who wish that I would not be pastor of Expression House. As if I'm earning one million every month being pastor of Expression House. But it's fine. They'll be all right. Amen. The moment God promotes you like this, fire will come on. Ah! They went to report Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the king Nebuchadnezzar. Live long, O king! King said, what have you brought today? Sir, do you know that the image you erected, you told us, anytime the music is played, everybody should bow. King said, yes. Sir, do you know? Mary, did you know? Nebuchadnezzar, did you know? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, anytime the music is played, they don't bow. They said, we're Hebrew guys, we don't bow. We bow to the almighty God who is the almighty God. If not thee, oh Nebuchadnezzar. They massaged his ego. They said, send me those guys. Then they brought the three of them. They didn't have the chance for another meeting. The Bible says his countenance changed towards them. Is it true what I'm hearing? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That when the music is played, you don't bow before my image that I erected, that everybody must bow before. Is it true? Now listen, if you don't bow, you burn. If you don't bow, you will burn. You either bow or you burn. B-O-W or B-U-R-N, burn. You bow, you bow, you bow, or you burn. Or you burn, you burn to ashes. The three guys were not intimidated. Let's go to their response, which has been misinterpreted over the years. Go to verse 15. Nebuchadnezzar speaking to them, from verse 14 actually. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true? Oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I don't know why he put O before their names, but 
Is it true? Oh! That sounds like it was angry. Oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, Oriobe, is it true? Oh, do not you serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? He was an idiotic king. He was the maker of the image to be worshipped. You didn't get that. Now, if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sidebop, psaltery, and dulcimer. We don't have those instruments in our church. And all kinds of music. Ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. He didn't even say that you worship him. He said that you worship the image he has made. He said, well, you have done well if you worship. If you bow and worship. But, somebody say bow. If you worship not, if you worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And look at where he killed himself. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? He dared their God. Every trouble you are going through right now is daring your God. Satan says, I have you now. I have your jugular. I will finish you. Who is that God? And your God will speak. I said, your God will speak. One time I came under one serious attack like that. I said, my God will answer them. One by one, my God answered those people. He has always fought for me. He has never changed. He will fight for you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king. That was the final meeting. There was no other meeting after this one. They were not prepared for this meeting. But they were prepared. That's why you have to be instant in season and out of season. They didn't have the time to say, King, please, let's go back and check our scroll. We will read through the Pentateuch. We will read through the first five books of Moses to know how to answer you. No, they had an answer already. You must be prepared. When life challenges you, be prepared. They said to him, Oh, King, you know, he called them, Oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they answered him in his language. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. He said, eh? You put all in front of my name? <laughs> we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. We are not going to exercise care in answering you. We will answer you raw, raw. Somebody say raw, raw. That's how to answer the enemy. Raw, raw, raw. No time to go and speak in tongues in one corner. No, raw, raw. Fire for fire. Raw, raw. We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Eh? Hey, hey, this voice, you want to kill yourself? If it be so. If what be so. This is where the church was missing here. If it be so, that you cast us into the fire. Because these guys were not going to bow. So if you go ahead, like you have promised, that if we don't bow, we will burn. If it be so, that you cast us into the fairy furnace, I 
our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us. I've told you, start studying scriptures on the abilities of God. John said in Matthew 3, 9, God is able to raise children from stones. What are you saying? What is your God able to do? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he might deliver us and he might not be able to deliver us. What did they say after? And he might and he probably will. He will. He will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Does that sound like they were doubting God? Our God is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us. End of discussion. They sealed it up there. The next verse is where the confusion comes. The next verse now says, But if not, and many, many pastors and churches have interpreted this to mean, but if God does not deliver, how can they be saying two things at the same time? With one mouth. He is able to deliver. They didn't stop there. They said, he will deliver. He will deliver. End of the story. But if not, what does that but if not mean? But if you change your mind, and you don't cast us in the fire. We still want you to know that we will not bow. We will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image that you have set up. So whether you throw us in the fire or not, we will not bow. Are you getting what I'm saying? Not throwing us in the fire. Don't think you are doing us a favor. Because we still not bow. See how the church world has interpreted it. They said, but if not, that is if God does not deliver us, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your God, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. If Nebuchadnezzar throws them in the fire and God does not deliver them, what will happen to them? They will turn to ashes. Now, will ashes argue? Nebuchadnezzar, we are now ashes, but we will see no bow. We will not bow. You have burnt already. You can't talk again. Are you with me, church? Did you get what I just said now? If he threw them in the fire and God did not show up, they will burn. And they wouldn't have a choice to say, we are not going to bow. Well, you are dead already, man. Dead people don't argue. What they said was, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us and he will deliver us. End of story. But if you don't throw us in the fire, if it be so, if you throw us in the fire. If it be not so, if you don't throw us in the fire. Simple. <laughs> Glory be to God. We will not bow. That was what angered the king. What? What audacity. Look at what the king said. Verse 19. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. And the form of his visage, his countenance was changed. Against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was that it, than it was wont to be heated. Seven times more. Seven times. So if it was supposed to be seven degrees Celsius, it's going to be seven times seven. That's 49. 
and he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He took them from that meeting. He didn't allow them to go back home to change. Look, look at it. Look at it. Because they were still wearing their hats. And to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats. They were still wearing coats. Because they were at work when the king sent for them. Their hosen, their hats, and their other garments. And were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. They were thrown immediately from work into the furnace. No time to go home and tell their wives. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning fairy furnace. They couldn't walk. They were bound. They threw them in. They fell down there. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king was astonished. He was surprised and rose up in haste and spake and said, Hey, come here. He said unto his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo. Someone said, Lo. There's, there's a statement in the Bible. Lo and behold. Lo, Kishidarubo. Lo. I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. And they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, entered into the fire with them. Fulfilling Psalm 91 verse 15. I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and I will honor him. He fulfilled that promise in this scripture. Nebuchadnezzar said, get me my glasses. My ophthalmologist, are you there? Say, yes, sir. Bring me my binocular. They brought him his binocular. He wore it. He said, oh, you senators. They said, sir, did we not cast three men into the fire? They said, yes, sir, yes, sir. He said, I see four men. They said, oh, you double, sir. Maybe you are suffering from astigmatism, sir. Oh, sorry, sir. Maybe it was uh, myopia. Oh, sorry. Maybe it's uh, something like uh, glaucoma. He said, I see four men. They threw three men bound. They fell inside the fire. They were bound. They tied them with their hats, the hats on their head. So they tied their head also and the neck. They tied, imagine tying somebody like Ejakote. They tied them. They were really tied. They tied them so that they didn't remove their hats. They tied their hats with them. These were wicked soldiers. They tied their shoes with them. They tied everything. Their mobile phones were in their pocket. They tied everything. iPads, they tied it. WhatsApp was inside. They tied the WhatsApp. There was cash crunch. The 2,000 naira they got from the bank. They tied everything. That got somebody's attention. <laughs> of all things, to get money now, right, in Nigeria, to get cash. Nigerians now know the difference between cash, in, cash at hand and cash in the bank. <laughs> now imagine Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, everything they had, they tied, they tied them. International passports in their pocket, they tied everything together. Threw them in the fire. As soon as they landed, four men were walking. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jehovah, the God of hosts. Hallelujah, his mercy endureth forever and ever. 
is too good oh. and they began to worship with the lamb the lamb of God was with them and they were singing hymns and spiritual songs they were worshiping Nebuchadnezzar said I see four men loose and the form of the fourth man is like the son of God because this didn't look human Those who bow will eventually burn. Those who refuse to bow before Satan will not burn. He might increase the pressure. The, he said, heat it up seven times. Let it be hotter seven times. The soldiers that threw them in the furnace, the heat melted them. They died. The men that were thrown in the fire, the heavenly host had installed a central AC and turned the fiery furnace into an air-conditioned chapel, an event center where they were worshiping God. I see four men loose. God is with you. I don't know what you're going through right now, but God is with you. If you have Jesus in your heart as your Lord and Savior, he is with you. If you don't have him, Come now and give your heart to him. So that he can be with you. So that when you go through the fire, it will not kindle upon you. Finally, promotion came for them. Same chapter. Go to verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The same man that said, Who is that God that will deliver you? He began to bless that God. People will hear your testimony and worship God. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel. Did you see the angel? And delivered the servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word. He was referring to himself as the king, that God changed his word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree today that every people, nation, and language which speak anything against, amiss, against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. All the Olofofos, they shall be cut in pieces. And their houses shall be made a dung hill. Because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. No other God can ever deliver anybody in this manner. God will deliver you in such a way that you will get the glory. Listen to me. What God will do in some of your lives, people will know. They will acknowledge that only God can do this. Unbelievers will say, only God can do this. Believers will say, only God can do this. In the name of Jesus, shout a better amen. That phrase jumped at me. It's been jumping at me for two weeks now. That there is no God that can deliver after this sort. After this manner. It will be unique what God will do in your life. Get it. It will be unique. They will see the finger of God in your life. They say, ah, I love the God you serve. Look at what came after. 
after the decree. He said, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. The king promoted them. Jesus fulfilled his word to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was with them in trouble. He delivered them out of trouble, brought them out of the burning, fiery furnace, and he brought honor by the way of promotion. If you are in trouble today, I prophesy, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God will bring you out of that trouble. And God will bring honor into your life. Promotion will locate you this month. I said promotion will locate you this week. This new week you will see God. In the name of Jesus. Stand on your feet, everybody. I have two more points to give you. give you on your feet. Because I'll be very brief. Number two, change the battleground. Some of you are praying, you are fasting. Thank God for that. Change the battleground. Change your strategy. If you're using a particular strategy and it's not working, tell the Holy Spirit to give you what works. Listen to me, everybody, as you stand. When the eagle wants to fight a snake, it comes to the ground and picks the snake and takes it to the sky to fight. If the eagle stays on the ground, the snake will defeat the eagle because the, the snake has mastery of the ground. It can coil itself around the bird, strike it and strangle it to death. But no, the eagle is smarter. He will come and pick the snake and take it miles in the air. Where the snake has no stability. So the snake is just dangling like this in the air. Dangling. It's trying to fight. But the eagle has its head and neck. And with the sharp beak, it will do justice to the head of the snake. The snake is just spiraling all over the place. Oscillating like simple pendulum. Oscillating like simple pendulum. To and fro, to and fro, but has no stamina, has no stability, has no where to fight back. He wants to fight, but he can't fight. By the time the eagle drops it, he's dead. Some of you have been fighting in the natural, fighting people, keeping malice, looking for help in the arm of the flesh. Change your strategy, change the battleground, take your battle to the realm of the spirits. Did you hear me this morning? Take the battle to the realm of the spirit. If you have to be awake two hours, pray in the Holy Ghost. If you have to be awake one hour, pray in the Holy Ghost. If you have to be awake three hours, pray in the Holy Ghost. Get into the word of God and get into the spirit. Get into the word and pray in the spirit. Get into the word and pray in the spirit. Change the battleground. Take the enemy from his familiar terrain. Take him to the unfamiliar terrain and deal with him right there. Any victory that is won in the realm of the spirit will be manifest in the physical realm. Can I have an amen? Did you get what I said this morning? Take the enemy from the sense realm to the faith realm. Don't let him keep you wondering and pondering over that matter anymore. Take him to the realm of the spirit where all you do is fit declaration and bring the spirit. Fit declaration. The situation has not changed. It's still bulging, still looking at you in the eye, staring you in the face. 
Keep confessing the word of God over it. And keep praying the Holy Ghost. Say what you want. Not what you have. You can have what you say. So say what you want. Decree what you want. By his stripes I'm healed. I still have the symptoms, but by his stripes I'm healed. The symptoms are there, but by, by his stripes I'm healed. Say it again and again and again. And pray in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our faith. Hear me again. If the enemy keeps you in the sense realm, reasoning realm, imagining the worst, it will destroy you there. But if you keep him in the faith realm, take him away and keep him in the faith realm. Decree the word of God. Declare the word of God. Pray in the Holy Ghost. You will destroy him. You will destroy his power and influence over your life. And that's your freedom. Number three, the final. Worship and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Worship and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Thou will show me the path of life. Psalm 16 verse 11. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. Get into his atmosphere and worship. Psalm 91 verse 1 says, He that dwelleth in the secrets of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Why is there a shadow? Because the Almighty is there. As I'm in church this morning, you can't find my shadow in my house. I'm in church. You are all in church with me. Your shadow is right next to you. Why is your shadow next to you? Because you are here. Can your shadow be in Songo right now? Hold your fair, I can see your shadow. Muraya, I can see your shadow. I can see some of you, I can see your shadow. The shadow means that the presence is there. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under what? The shadow of the Almighty. Meaning, the Almighty is there. Get into fellowship every morning. Get there 5 a.m. Get there 5.30. Get there 6 a.m. Before your day gets busy. Get there. Get there, baby. Don't sleep all morning. Mm -mm. You've slept all night. Don't sleep all morning. Get there. Get there. Get there and stay. And stay there. And get some fresh strength for the day. Turn off your phone. Before they, they finish you with calls and messages. Turn off the phone. Put it on flight mode. Stay alone with God. One hour. Two hours. Because the Almighty is waiting to reinvigorate you. Can I have an amen? Then you worship. Then you worship. And don't stop coming to church. One thing that the enemy will encourage you to do is when you are going through trouble, stop going to church. <laughs> I've been there. There was a service I told my wife I wasn't going to attend in the other church. I felt like sleeping on my bed at home, covering myself with my duvet and mourning my situation. My wife said, no. When did that start? You won't allow the devil to have the last laugh over you. No. We go to church. Do you know whether God is bringing a word? I said, you are right. Blessed is the man that marries a godly woman. We came to that service and the teaching was on evangelism. It didn't even address my situation. But I was lifted. I felt free in the presence of God. It's not about what is being preached. It's about the presence. When the presence is there, whatever is preached, we minister to it. <laughs> evangelism. And I was dealing with something else. Yet, it ministered to me. Because of the presence. That's why. Choir, our songs must be about Jesus. And Jesus alone. Thank you. You are doing a good job. 
and God will help you to do better. I told God, I said, expression out. If anybody walks in here, I want them to be healed. I want them to be set free in the name of Jesus. Hebrews 10.25 tells us, don't forsake the assembling together of ourselves, of one another. Don't isolate yourself. Hebrews 10 and verse 25. 25. Let me tell you the danger of running away from church. He, anyone, listen to me, I'm closing now. Anyone that the devil can isolate easily, he can destroy easily. He destroys people in isolation. When the devil wants to be, this is the church. He can't come in and do anybody now. We'll finish him. He does it in isolation. He will come to your room on Tuesday night and convince you and give you reasons not to go to church again. And if you buy into that lie, then he knows you are alone. He can finish you. Have you seen documentaries of the lion? As strong as the lion can be going into the camp of antelopes. The lion will run away into the camp of antelopes. You have like a hundred of them. They will call him to death. What he does is to roar. If they scatter, aha, then he will go after them, one after the other, and finish them. He will pick one and finish it. Don't be that one. Don't be a weak link this year. Be in church every Thursday, Bible study. Be in church every Sunday. Join a ministry. Join a unit. Start serving. Don't, don't live your life in isolation. Don't be a troglodyte. Don't be a solitudinarian. Those are people that the devil destroys very easily. When you're in fellowship. If you have a problem, share it with your fellowship members. Share it with your ministry members. Let them pray with you. Let them lift up their holy hands. And rout the enemy. We all need prayers. Including your pastor. There are people that pray for me. And I appreciate it. I appreciate it a lot. More than giving me a new pair of shoes. Say, Pastor, I'm praying for you. I love that. I'm also praying for you, the church. And we need to pray more for one another. Psalm 133, from verse 1 to 3. It says, How beautiful and how pleasant, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. In verse 2. He says it's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down to the beard. Even the beard, the, even to, down to Aaron's beard. And went down to the skirt of his garment. Verse 3. As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. That's how beautiful it is when we come together. I want us to do something this morning. And I want it to be permanent. I want you to God knows that you'll be in church this morning and you will sit where you are seated at the moment. I want to, we've done it before, we didn't sustain it, we're going to sustain it now. I want you to form a squad of four. In each squad, four people. The four people around you like this. One, two, three, four. You'll be praying together. You'll fix a time, a regular time. You can come to church to pray. You can pray on the phone. Either church or on the phone. For now, don't go to anybody's house. Unless the four of you live in the same house. That's the instruction. I want you to form a cell. Can I have three people join me here? Three guys join me. I want to demonstrate something. This is how Roman soldiers fight. 
Continue. Continue. One more person. The four of us will back each other. Okay, let me have one more. Let me make four of you do it. Okay, I want the four of you here. Somebody face north, somebody south, somebody east, somebody west. Yeah, come together. Good, Tony. Now, in fact, I like these guys. This one's almost the same height. And the two here, same height. Now, the four of you, draw out your sword, your imaginary sword, like you want to fight, like you're in a battle. Just hold it. Hold it very tight. Like, just hold it very tight. This is how the Roman army, this is how they fight. You will notice that you can't hurt anybody from the back. If I want to get iron, Toby will fight me. He will resist me because he's having the back of his brother. If I want to fight David, Larry here will fight me because he's having the back of his brother. His brother is having his back. Toby is having Ayo's back. Ayo is having Toby's back. So if I want to attack Toby from the back, like I want to, I want to finish the guy, this guy will attack me. The power of Saul. I want that established today in this house. The four of you will take the phone numbers of one another. Please, I don't want to hear somebody toasting or win somebody. We are in serious business. If God says that somebody will marry somebody from the squad, let it be. If God says so, amen, and we shall know over time. But please, the focus, the focus for now is prayer. Amen? These guys are inconquerable. There's nowhere you go. Don't wound me with your sword. Don't wound me. Don't wound me. Don't wound me with your sword. Let's have one another's back. Church, is it a good thing? This is Psalm 133 in action. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The four of you will be responsible for one another. When one of you is not in church, the remaining three, call the person. If need be, visit them. If they need to be visited, pray for them. Pray with them. It is not longer going to be my job to do that. It's going to be your job. This is our church. And we must be passionate about our church. God placed us here for such a time as this. Did God make a mistake? Let's love this church. And let's grow it together. March the 24th, they say there's evangelism. Let's all turn out. Get on the street for Jesus. Do it for him. And watch him do for you what you cannot do for yourself. As we close. You pray for me. I love you. God bless you guys. I need you to survive. I will hurt you with words from my mouth. I love you. I need you to survive. Go to your phone. Phone now. Oh, go into your four four and hold, hold, hold one another's hands and sing that song. 